1: this is the Tom Hartman program and welcome back Tom Hartman here with you bunch going on that you know y'all need to know about two major outbreaks going on right now one in Washington state and one in New York New Rochelle New York and both states have declared states of emergency as have a number of other ones. The World Health Organization now has officially certified the coronavirus. Two days ago, CNN started calling it a pandemic, saying that you know it basically meets the definition. Well, the World Health Organization chief, Dr. Tedros Adhonam Gebrasis, says the number of cases outside China has increased 13-fold over the past two weeks. He's deeply concerned by alarming levels of inaction. Over the virus that i think he's talking to you donald trump and the world health organization has now officially declared that this is a pandemic a global pandemic and he said governments must strike a fine balance between protecting health minimizing disruption and respecting human life we're in this together to do the right things with calm and protect the citizens of the world it is doable he said several countries have demonstrated that this virus can be suppressed and controlled The challenge for many countries who are now dealing with large clusters or community transmission is not whether they can do the same, it's whether they will. And again, talking to you, Trump and Pence. Meanwhile, when Dr. Anthony Fauci was speaking before the House Oversight Committee, and this was a hearing on the virus, and one of the Democrats said, are things going to get worse? And uh, he said, yes, they are. They're going to get worse before they get better. Washington state wants to have what's called a Medicaid waiver so that Medicaid will pay for low-income people, people on Medicaid, Medicaid will pay for low-income people to be treated, not just in hospitals, but in a variety of other settings as well. And I don't know if this includes the hotels that they are buying up in Washington State. They're buying these these older hotels where you walk in through a, a single door from the outside. You know, the, 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 not hotels, motels, where it's got an air conditioner in the window. You know, these are the buildings that were built in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. And because they're perfect for isolation. Somebody can go in and, you know, food can be brought to the door and that's, you know, the whole thing. So to pay for these things, Washington state if they're going to have medicare and medicaid services pay for and I'm, again I'm not sure if it's the if they're specifically talking about these motels or or what they said that they're looking for the state wants to avoid above all else adding crowds to hospitals that are already overflowing with sick patients so that's that's what they're saying but what they need is a waiver it's called the 1135 waiver and That waiver can only be triggered by the president declaring an emergency or a disaster under what's called the Stafford Act. And the Washington state is begging the White House to do this and the White House is ignoring them. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve, somebody called yesterday and said, can you catch this from money? And I said, well, you know, if somebody sneezed into their hand and then took a quarter out of their pocket and put it in your hand, yeah, probably, but I wouldn't worry so much about just normal money. Well, I stand corrected. This is from CBS News. The headline, can you catch the coronavirus from handling cash? And I'll just share with you the first couple of sentences. The Federal Reserve is delaying processing dollars that have been repatriated from Asia. The louvre museum in paris isn't accepting cash from visitors and iran has urged its citizens to stop using banknotes over fears the coronavirus can be transmitted to humans through contaminated objects like cash they say that this is uh, transmittable through what are called fomites surfaces including paper money that have been handled by an infected person dr sanjay migawar chair of george washington university's school of medicine's department of microbiology said, quote, the belief is that these viruses can sand surfaces in their fully active states for at least 10 days. That includes cash and all kinds of other surfaces that people normally touch. So certainly with the coronavirus, cash handling is a concern. Whoa. I mean, that's, I thought that, you know, even even flu could not be transmitted via money. Meanwhile, Robert Wright's just saying, speaking of money, the Congress should immediately appropriate $400 billion dollars to pay for coronavirus testing and treatment, paid sick leave and family leave this year, renewable for next year if necessary, extended Medicaid and unemployment insurance, and immediate one-time payments of a thousand bucks to every adult and $500 to every child to basically keep the economy afloat through a time of crisis. Robert Reich used to be the labor secretary in Bill Clinton's administration, one of the really good guys. the world health organization was saying that countries need to be taking this very seriously and what italy is doing is like the right thing and if you've got to shut down your economy for a a little while to get control of a of a global pandemic to give us enough time so that we're not overwhelming our hospitals and that we can be testing some of these antiviral drugs so that you know large numbers of people won't die but you know but it's going to take months in all probability for the antiviral drugs and, and and it's going to take well over a year to develop Of a vaccine so what we need to do is slow the spread of this so what does Donald Trump have to say about that well he just tweeted we need the wall more than ever right seriously he says the Democrat policy of open borders is a direct threat to the health and well-being of all Americans now you see it with the coronavirus right First of all, people find ways around walls. Secondly, we've got a crisis in Central America, a humanitarian crisis, that was largely caused by American policies. And these are not people, you know, looking for a job. These are people fleeing murder and, and uh, threats of violence and their children being recruited into gangs and things that are, that are there because, again, of American foreign policy, largely during the Reagan administration the whole Iran-Contra thing, the Contra part of Iran-Contra was the Nicaraguan Contras. The people who were Contra to, opposed to the uh, government at that time. And, you know, Reagan wanted them destroyed. And so Ollie North was smuggling, you know, uh, weapons down there to, in defiance of a law that Congress passed that made it illegal for the federal government to arm the Contras. And, and Reagan did it anyway. And, you know, that is still echoing that violence is still echoing through that region. Mary, in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, Mary, what's on your mind today?
2: Um, I thought you might want to know. Our governor came on television last
1: night. That's J.B. Pritzker? And said that,
2: yes, and said that he cannot get the necessary test kits. Right. Nobody has to worry about the rest of it. Because you can't even get the damn test.
1: That's it's correct. So and the only time that you can get a test is when you're really, really sick and on the edge of being hospitalized and really you needed to have the test when you first felt a few symptoms so that you wouldn't be spreading the disease around to everybody. And you know, this test should be as widely available as as a flu test is or, you know, other common tests that you can buy over the counter and you can and you can buy on Amazon. And probably would be if Donald Trump had not rejected the World Health Organization.
2: I called the president's office today, and I told the woman the same thing I told you, and mm-hmm. she said, "Well, your governor needs to connect the CDC." And I told her she was out of her mind, and the go- and my governor knows exactly who to contact, and he still can't get them.
1: Yeah, well, and here's here's why. Tim Dickinson is writing in Rolling Stone. Didn't make enough. Yeah, well, it's it's not that, and and let me get into it, Mary. Here, this is this is from uh, again from Rolling Stone magazine. Keep in mind, back in January, the World Health Organization, a a German company, or maybe the German government, I'm not sure, the German tests to test for the coronavirus were approved by the World Health Organization. And this company in Germany is, is cranking them out like crazy. And in fact, they're making them in several different countries now under license with this German thing. And this is the official WHO approved test. And as Tim Dickinson writes, yet as the CDC has scrambled to fix its test, Another functioning test has been available. WHO, the World Health Organization, successfully provided a competing German-developed test to countries all around the world, allowing them to better trace the spread of the virus, not only confirming cases and obviously sick patients, but tracking down contacts who may have a mild form of the illness but can still spread it to others. In a letter last week to Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Patty Murray, who serves Washington State the state hardest hit by the outbreak, I'm reading Tim Dickinson's piece in in, uh, Rolling Stone here, demanded answers, quote, we need to understand what is going wrong with with testing and the lack of transparency from the administration so far is unacceptable. And and Patty Murray then, Senator Patty Murray, then said, quote, please provide an explanation for why the COVID-19 diagnostic test approved by the World Health Organization was not used here in the United States. On Friday, Rolling Stone asked the CDC the same question. Presumably Tim Dickinson, he's the reporter there, reached out to them. We also wanted information on potential conflicts of interest, including whether the CDC's test was developed in-house or was the work of a, an independent and for-profit contractor. In fact, we asked for a list of all contractors who had a financial interest in providing the CDC, the agency, with the reagents and the other components of the test. Despite multiple follow-ups, the CDC has not responded. Reached today, a CDC media staffer said the agency was overwhelmed with press requests and was working through its backlog. Our questions, she said, were in the queue. So Tim Dickinson writes, under the Trump administration, it seems the truth is also being rationed. Well, what's certainly being rationed are test kits, and, you know, I think these are really legitimate questions. The CDC test kit, which, which uh, you know, was developed in January but then didn't work. And again, the New York Times podcast uh, from last night, from yesterday, The Daily, has this amazing story about this, this uh, research, uh, researcher in Seattle who was funded in part by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who was doing a flu research study and they had to see how the flu spreads in communities in the Seattle area and they had thousands of of nose swabs or throat swabs from people all around Seattle and when the coronavirus broke out they thought hey we should test these things for coronavirus but they couldn't by law because the test had not the test was not available that had been approved so they developed their own test and tested them, tested these samples that they had collected of flu, and they discovered a bunch of people with coronavirus. But it was illegal for them to tell anybody. They finally broke the law and told the public health officials in Seattle who went to a public high school and grabbed a high school student who was one of the people who tested positive and shut down the school. But this is still illegal under the Trump administration. This is how insane this thing is. Tom Harbin here with you. Uh, Congressman Matt Gates, Getz of Florida and uh, Mark Meadows of North Carolina, two uh, Republican trolls who were on the uh, plane with the president, uh, were exposed to the coronavirus at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, last month. Uh, they were showing no symptoms at all, and the Centers for Disease Control says you can't get a test unless you are symptomatic. In fact, uh, this is from Washington Post. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends that healthcare providers prioritize tests for hospitalized patients who are exhibiting symptoms, coronavirus symptoms, elderly and medically fragile individuals, along with those who have shown signs of illness after contact with a known or suspected coronavirus patient. But you've got to be sick before you can get the test, according to the CDC. And uh, so, you know, the, the New York Times is saying, or the Washington Post, rather, the two lawmakers said they were exhibiting no symptoms of respiratory illness, raising questions of why they were tested at all. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, if you're a Republican congressman, no problem. You know, you can just get your test. It's all good. Paul in Chicago. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind?
3: Yeah, a stupid question for you. So my grandfather was born in 1912, and I remember him talking at one point about how he had actually been given a horse serum and how sick it made him. And I was wondering if there's been any talk or if you know of anything, if they are considering doing this, because if they can't, you know, come up with a vaccine, if if doing a serum or an anti serum would be a way of at least giving people a fighting chance was that no, to mitigate uh, yeah. the effects of the flu of
1: 1919? Is that what you're saying?
3: No, apparently he didn't have that. No, uh-huh. no, fortunately. Um, I think I think it was something like whooping cough or some uh-huh. other. Uh-huh. But I just have a very vague recollection of him talking about this. Right. And it must have been whooping cough or diphtheria or something. There is ago. one no, drug, Paul.
1: There is one drug that is made by Gilead. And Gilead is one of the few companies whose stock has been going up because this drug has been used a number of times on a, quote, compassionate basis. It was originally developed to treat Ebola, and in fact, was used successfully to treat Ebola. So it's an antiviral, Ebola's a virus also. A different kind of virus, but it's a virus. And this drug that has V-I-R at the end of the name, and it's something like a simavir or something like that, but if you Google or DuckDuckGo, coronavirus drug and gilead g-i-l-e-a-d which is the name of the company it'll pop right up that's the one that everybody's looking at saying well maybe this will do it they have tried some of the anti-hiv drugs you know i don't know the results of those studies you know they're they've done they've tried a lot of different things in china and my guess is that you know by the end of this year or early next year there will probably be several antiviral drugs on the market that are effective against these coronaviruses but as of this moment you know, the entire response of the federal government, these things have to be approved by the Food and Drug Administration. The entire response of the federal government has been so lethargic because, you know, all the people who would have been in charge of pandemic diseases in the executive branch were fired two years ago by John Bolton.
3: So, As one does. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, So that's where we're at. So anyhow, thanks a lot for the call, Paul. It's great to hear from you. Katie in Houston, Texas. Hey, Katie, what's up?
4: Hey, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of yours. so oh, thank you. I love what you do. <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, kind of let you know and your listeners know, as of an hour ago, Houston just canceled the largest event of the year, which is the Houston Rodeo. Wow. So it's a huge deal. And I'm watching the mayor right now on a press conference saying that there's an emergency basically shut down for, for the city of Houston for the next seven days and all events within March are canceled or rescheduled.
1: Yeah, this is wise. I mean, this is the time for... Well, if you go
4: on social media, everyone's up in arms about it, and I can't really figure out why, because it's a precaution that makes sense for every single human being,
1: well, if you go on social media, what you will find is that some of the most outspoken people on social media are the people who are regular watchers of Fox News or listeners to right-wing right. hate radio. And over on Fox News, there's not a crisis. And on right-wing hate radio, right. it's a conspiracy against uh, Donald Trump to take down his presidency. So yes. I'm guessing that the people who are complaining about this on on uh, social media, uh, particularly Facebook, I mean, Facebook just feeds this right. stuff. They're letting. You they
4: think it's a huge conspiracy?
1: Yeah. They're and they and Facebook is actually letting Trump run ads that have naked lies in them you know you know mark right. zuckerberg i think he's showing his true colors um i think it's very unfortunate but so yeah. so that's probably well, where the trolls are coming from know. yeah
4: thanks a lot you katie thank you so much yep. good
1: talking to you what houston is doing is something that is going to spread all across the country chicago right now is trying to decide whether or not to hold the uh, st patrick's day parade this weekend my guess is that they will uh, suspend it but you know i think that what houston is doing as a city is not only what cities and states around the country need to be doing, but it's what we need to be doing personally, which is you can go a few weeks or maybe even a few months if we have to without going out to a restaurant or without going out to the movie theater or without, you know, just kind of, you know, hanging out at home, being cautious. So, anyway, Deb in Saginaw, Michigan. Hey, Deb, what's up?
2: Tom, I was just watching a program on YouTube, It's no longer live but it's still on YouTube. It's about the World Health Organization giving the most update Quranis update. Uh huh. It is telling people to do things that we haven't even heard about. For example. It is they're talking about how every country should be calling in and giving exactly what their plans are and how they're instigating this and what yeah. they're doing it. Everybody's supposed to share.
1: Yeah, Italy is doing it's, it right.
2: We aren't doing any of these things. No, we're it's, not. It's, it's, it's because we've am- got an incompetent and
1: income poop in the White House.
2: But I think your people would want to go and read and uh, listen to that, it's yeah. just amazing.
1: Yeah, and, and the World Health Organization also declared a global pandemic and they called out governments not by name but i think they were pretty clearly pointing at the united states saying that there is severe inaction happening and then there are other countries, and I would guess that they were referring largely to Italy, and now Germany's getting ready to do, to do what Italy is doing or something close to it. Angela Merkel just came out and said that 70% of all Germans could be infected with this by the end of the year. I mean, this is serious, serious stuff, and it needs to be taken seriously. And instead, we've got this, this idiot in the White House who's talking about bailing out the fossil fuel industry and cutting taxes on hotels. Joe in Salisbury, Massachusetts, say, hey, Joe, what's on your mind? How extensive the backdrop mechanisms that would be
5: necessary for Trump to initiate um, some kind of, uh,
1: well, declare emergency, declare martial law. Those are two he very different things, might, Joe. He's, he's already declared a state of emergency on our southern border in order to militarize I mean? the border and, and steal money from the Pentagon. To declare martial law would be a whole different thing. That's a good question for Congressman Pocan. I had asked him, can he suspend elections? And the answer appears to be no. But whether Mm -hmm. he could declare martial law, that would take a lot. I mean, but I don't know the answer to the question. I'll have to look into it. By the way, I just got a text message from uh, one of our friends in Chicago at uh, WCPT who said Chicago has officially canceled the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So just uh, FYI to everybody. Joe, thanks for the call. Michael in Hammond, Indiana. Hey, Michael, what's up?
6: I wanted to
3: know if... Because you explain things so well, if you don't test everybody, can you get a true R naught number? No, the rate to, at which the disease is passed from one person to another.
1: Right, you're absolutely right, Michael, and it's a really important point. the The R naught number is, as you say, the the rate at which you know how many people one sick person infects, and with that R naught number combined with the with the velocity you know, how quickly the infection comes on, you can calculate how rapidly the epidemic is going to spread and how rapidly you're going to be overwhelmed in your hospitals and things like that. And the number that we would have in the United States would be absurd, just like the fatality number that we have in the United States is absurd. It's around 6%. Why? Because we're not testing everybody. We're not even testing people who are sick but aren't so sick they need to be hospitalized. And so there's, as a result of that, there's a lot of people walking around sick who are probably passing this virus around. And that's why we're getting the, this community spread. China apparently started doing that aggressively, at least in Wuhan and in Hubei province. And Japan and South Korea have been doing this. South Korea, in particular, has been testing people like there's no tomorrow. And their R-not number looks to be around 2. And 2 is not a good number. You want it to be below 1. If it's below 1, eventually it burns itself out and goes away. If it's above 1, then that means that it's going to spread and get larger and larger. And the number coming out of South Korea and Japan and China looks like it's around 2. But, you know, here in the United States, and there's no reason to think that it would affect Americans any differently than it would affect Chinese or Japanese. So uh, here in America, our numbers are all screwed up because, because of the incompetence of the Trump administration. Did I answer your question, Michael?
7: Oh, you're in education.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. It's great to hear from you, and I appreciate the call. Thank you for listening to WCPT there in Indiana, in Hammond, Indiana. We're kind of processing what's going on. The stock market is down about 4%. Trump is thinking about bailing out the oil industry and the hotel industry. You know, the people who support his election and and where he makes his money. What a surprise. You're listening to
6: Tom Hartman. Visit tomhartman.com for audio and video archives.
1: It's the place where despair is not an option, nor is fear. Let's just be reasonable and cautious. You know, one of the reasons that so many people get the flu in the United States and get colds in the United States, and we actually do have, you know, higher numbers in that regard than some other countries is because we don't have paid sick leave in the United States. And so people go to restaurants, whether, it, whether it's grabbing a cup of coffee at the, at the coffee place or Starbucks or whatever, you know, McDonald's, people go to work sick. And if they go to work with a cold or the flu, well, it's just a cold or the flu. Yes, flu kills 35,000 people. Trump just tweeted about that. Oh, the flu kills 35,000 people. We've only had 100 die, so, you know, or 50 or whatever it is. So what's the big deal? Markets don't close because of the flu. Well, yeah, the people that flu kills are the people who are very, very vulnerable. Those, uh, the people who coronavirus kills are not just the people who are very, very vulnerable, but people who are just kind of a little marginal. So, you know, and, and it kills like 20 times as many. But anyhow, one of the reasons is because of our sick leave policies, that flu season is as bad as it is in the United States, in my opinion. Tom Arvin here with you. Kurt in Houston, Texas. Hey, Kurt, thanks for listening to us on XM. What's up? Hey, I actually
5: uh, own a entertainment facility here in Houston, and with the uh, announcement of them canceling the rodeo, we're looking at probably one of our bleakest spring breaks. Yeah. Which... Nutritionally carries us
3: through, you know, from December to the summertime.
1: Yeah, and you're not alone in that. And, and and you know, there's restaurants all over the country that are hurting. There are theaters all over the country that are hurting. And and I know that when you know when I go on the air and say, hey, you know, stay home for a little while, that hurts people in your business. And this is why Nancy Pelosi yesterday and Chuck Schumer the day before were talking about Congress passing legislation that will support small businesses through this time, because this is a time of crisis and you didn't create this problem, Kurt. And meanwhile, you've got you know the, the fracking industry in Donald Trump's ear asking for a bailout and him in his press conference or whatever you call that thing, his cabinet meeting with the press involved, saying, well, yeah, we're looking at uh, bailing out the fracking industry and maybe the hotel industry. But, you know, there should be something more comprehensive and it should cover small businesses right across the board. I know our business, this little radio show here, is going to take a hit because we always do in recessions. What happens is advertisers pull back and, you know, we're funded largely by advertisers. It's probably, you know, 80, 90% of our total revenue, you know, comes on the commercial side of the show from advertising. And when that pulls back, you know, I end up Dialing back, uh, you know, going without a paycheck for a little while. I think we're all in kind of hunker down mode. Uh, Kurt, I, yeah, I, I'm it, sure it, I'm not reassuring you, but <laughs> no,
5: it's it, it, it is a fear. I mean, I don't want to have to take anyone take anyone off payroll. Yeah. because we can't support our traditional numbers, and normally this is our hiring up for the summer season. So
1: I, I agree. A predictor and, for how we're going to go. Yeah, and that's and, you know, and as small business owners, I mean, we can always cut our own pay first, at least those of us who can afford to do so, you know, before cutting anybody else's pay or cutting people out. And you know, something that I've done over the years with this show, when the economy has gone bad, but it's not something that any of us like to do. And I'm not looking for a bailout for the radio industry, but I do think that the the hospitality industry in general and I realize Donald Trump runs hotels but you know and restaurants. But these are the businesses that are gonna get really badly hit in places like yours. And there should be a backstop. Kurt, I gotta move along but thank you for the call. It's good to hear from you. Daryl in Denville, New Jersey. Hey Daryl, what's up? Hey Tom, how are you? Good. So far so good.
8: Yeah, Yeah, just a couple of things real quick. You know, I live in Denville, that's New Jersey eleven. And before Mikey Sherrill took this seat it had been Republican hands for 28 years, so there are a lot of Republicans in this area. Uh-huh. A lot of Fox News watchers, right? Okay. So, so I'm post double lung transplant, which means I'm immunosuppressed. Oh my! So I just went to the grocery store shop, right? And it's middle of the day, a lot of people. I'm the only one wearing a mask, and people are looking at me and sneer, snickering. Like, first of all, they don't know my story, right? And second of all. We're just a hop, skip, and a jump from New York. And there are a lot of people in this area that work in New York and come back and forth over the bridge or through the tunnel every day. And these people around here are in utter denial. And so I absolutely blame Donald Trump for his response to this. But ultimately, people are going to have to get out of this denial phase and realize... We are in a global pandemic, and anybody can get sick, and anybody could already be sick. And that's we correct. Have to, we have to protect ourselves.
1: That's, that's absolutely right, Daryl, and I wish you the very best. Uh, you know, stay well, stay safe. You've got a real challenge there. I wish you the best, but yeah, you know, Fox News is going to have to wake up, is the
6: bottom line. You're listening
4: to Tom Hartman.
1: Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com/hartman the two ends, or enter the code Hartman the two ends before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman. Or going to cookunity.com/hartman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car
0: selling command center, thanks to Carvana.
1: the uh, white house has classified all conversations about the coronavirus pandemic you had uh, anthony fauci and a few other scientists testify before congress apparently they were saying things that trump didn't like because they literally somebody walked into the meeting room and said these guys have to leave the white house needs them right now they cut the meeting short it's nuts mike in lameda california hey mike what's up
10: Yeah, I just got back from a five-day trip to uh, UK and uh, was astounded to find out that now it's easier to get into the UK than it is to get out of a railway station if you've lost your ticket. Every year previously, you had these long, long lines of people waiting to be interviewed by a border control officer who would ask questions like, where will you be staying? Okay. and you turn in a document that has the addresses. Those guys are all gone now. They just have these machines to scan your passport, and there's not even anyone there to make sure that everyone shows a passport. Huh. It's You just walk through. So if you were a public health person, and you wanted to trace someone's location who you suspected was infected, good luck. They're yeah. just out there and running free range. Wow. Also ran into some very surprising economic indicators, as I take them to be. One was that the airline that I was to use to get from London to the Scottish capital for the Sunday match crashed before I could even get on the plane. So I was in a scramble to get a replacement team ticket and still, of course, was missed the first half of the match. Yeah. But at the same time, you have merchants around Paddington train station who are refusing to take legal uh, UK tender because mm-hmm. it has Sc- Bank of Scotland printed on it. In other words, rumor is uh, supplanting rationality and reality in the uh, Department of Commerce. Yeah. Now, their approach to it over there is to go through two phases. The first is a contained phase which they're in now, which was they urge everyone to wash their hands, which Prime Minister uh, demonstrated on television improperly. And then the other part of it, of course, is if you're sick and you're sneezing and coughing, you should stay home. And they go eventually to the delay phase, which means that they ban public gatherings and close all the schools. And the questions in Parliament and in the newspapers have raised the point that schools are the source of nutrition for a large portion of kids who are living in poverty like one-third of the single parent kids in the country is that the case are, are you talking those, about the uk or the united states here it's the uk just, huh. same
1: but, problem well you know margaret thatcher and ronald reagan did the same thing to both countries at about the same time so
10: yeah okay yeah. so the whole thing is uh, looking like it's going to get a lot worse when i landed there were. 163 confirmed cases in Britain, and four days later when I left, there were 319 nearly doubling in four days. And as it catches on, of course, that will become much larger numbers.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you wanna try an interesting exercise. Uh, We all have little calculators on our phones. Open your little calculator app, type the number one, and then times two, in other words, doubling, right? And if every person infects two people and the average time that that happens is around four days, then basically, you know, well, it, to be very conservative, let's say it was seven days, so the, the rate of infection is gonna double every week, right? So then just start hitting that equal sign, you know, multiplying that one by two, it becomes two, multiply the two by two, it becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, and count how many weeks until you're hitting 300 million, over 300 million people. And, you know, it's somewhere in uh, May, June, July, something like that. I mean, it's just, it's, this is, this is the old chessboard story. It's going to get intense. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. John in Portland, Oregon. Hey, John, what's up? Just want to let people know, I know I'm just a guy calling in, but my uh, partner is a
5: nurse at the VA here in Portland. Yesterday, he texted me while he was at work and let me know that they actually had one confirmed case, his department, I won't say which and had two cases which were later confirmed from people coming into the ER. Hmm. Most frightening is that the CT department, I guess the, the lesions on the lungs are something they, they scanned for with the CT scan. Right. And the CT department had no idea until after the fact. So all the people who performed the tests on these patients were exposed, the equipment was exposed. Oh my. And there's been no leadership. There's been no guidance or advice. You know, the VA is the government-run
1: hospital. Yeah, Donald Trump ultimately is in charge of the VA. Actually, Donald Trump put three businessmen from Mar-a-Lago, none of whom are veterans, in charge of the Veterans Administration, and they're running it remotely from Uh, Mar-a-Lago. I I realize that sounds totally bizarre, but you can Google it.
5: Oh, it's true. There's a picture of Trump when you walk into the VA, and this is, you know, providing health care for a lot of veterans in America, a lot of whom are older. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I just wanna let people know. It's, I know I'm just a caller, I know I'm just a guy, but
1: I, I, yeah. it, it's true. Well, that, that I yesterday I, I got the email from the Oregon Health Department. They've got a, a subscription newsletter that you can subscribe to that I did, uh, where every day they send you an update on what's going on, and yesterday's update, uh, said that there was now one confirmed case it's a uh, an older gentleman who is a veteran who is in the VA hospital so i'm guessing that that's the person that that your your partner told you about john so it is out then good yeah. Yeah. i mean i just i just want people to know
5: guy i mean just What's to do with the toilet paper? It's not—it's not a stomach flu. What's, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah, you know, I think, wear a mask I, I, I think the reason thing.
1: people are hoarding toilet paper, a, that's just like an instinct. <laughs> you know, that happens when there's a, a flood or a <laughs> tornado or whatever. You know, when I g- oh grew up in gosh. Michigan, it was tornadoes, and people would go buy toilet paper. But I think you know, b, uh, the advice that that uh, that has been given by numerous agencies, and that I've been basically just parroting is the majority of people who get this disease do not get hospital needs sick with it, but they do get sick. And they shouldn't be out in the community and they shouldn't be going to work. They should stay home and, and you know, kind of shelter in place. Well, if you're going to have to stay home for the two or three weeks that it typically takes for this coronavirus to run its course, you're probably going to need extra toilet paper. You're probably going to need extra paper towel and those kind of products. I mean, just, just, Because most people buy these things every week or every other week, and you want to have two or three weeks worth of food in the house. I'm not talking about insane hoarding or you know anything like that, but I think these are prudent steps, John.
5: Absolutely. I mean, I just I just hope people are are safe. Don't freak out, but. Yeah. It would help if we could get some tests. Right. You know, that would yeah. Well, really that's, that's the
1: big problem, and this was the point that the that the Oregon Health Department made in the newsletter that I got yesterday, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, that this case, this this first guy at the veterans uh, at the VA hospital, had no known contacts with anybody else who had this virus and had not traveled anywhere recently, and so it was a cl- it's apparently. A case of what's called community infection or community spread, which means that he got it from somebody who got it from somebody, and we don't know who the somebody is he got it from. I mean, you know, it, it could have been a door handle in a retail store or a restaurant. It could have been, it could have been anything. Could have been anywhere. Could have been on a bus. It could have been in the back back seat of an Uber. I mean, you know, this that's what community spread is called. Is you know that's why it's called community spread, and that is clearly happening right now in Portland. And uh, just like it was a few weeks ago in Seattle, and it should be a uh, cautionary note for all of us, you know, don't freak out, don't get hysterical, do stock up in, in the anticipation of the possibility you may have to stay home for a few weeks, number one, and number two, don't go to any kind of events unless they're absolutely necessary. You know, uh, it's, you don't have to go to church every weekend, you don't have to go to that movie, you don't have to go to that restaurant, just chill out for a little while. Michael in Howe, Michigan. Hey, Michael, what's up?
6: I have a question about the coronavirus and test kits. You know, they said that Medicare and Medicaid could pay for it. insurance, could pay for the, the test kits. But it, I didn't hear anything about non-insured people right. being able to get the test for free, which is kind of important because you want everybody to get tested. Am I right in hearing that there's no provisions for people without insurance? Not
1: yet. In fact, there's there's really no official provisions for people with insurance. All we have is the assurance of President Trump that health insurance executives are going to take care of us. But you know, good luck even finding a test kit right now. So no.
6: Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Um, well, I just wanted to give you something to talk to my congressman about.
1: Yeah, there you go. It's a good idea, Michael. Thank you for the call, Dan in Appleton, Wisconsin. Hey, Dan. Thanks for listening to Good exam. morning.
6: Yep. Hey, I want to preface this by saying I am a professional guardian for persons with disabilities. Many of them are seniors, a lot of people in nursing homes and, and home-ridden. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got an idea that I'd love to see somebody discuss, and that is to have public health nurses going out, provide services for people at home, keeps people in the home rather than out in the public spreading this virus. All right. They get the services that they need. And, you know, when I'm hearing discussions about a whether it's a permanent or temporary payroll tax, that does absolutely nothing to address the health care issue. It doesn't help people that can't go to work if they don't have a paycheck. That payroll tax does right. nothing to help them. So, right. you know, we, we could, for a lot less money, I believe, and I don't have the numbers, I haven't, You know i'm not a financial expert but it seems to me that if we employed a a a team of public health nurses to go out and help people in their homes there may be a really good way to address some of these these really vulnerable people like my clients so anyway i just wanted to throw that idea out there i'd love to see it discussed so any ideas yeah well the the part of the
1: problem is and in fact i can't say this with certainty but i have read reports that one of the theories about why three different nursing homes right now in Washington State are experiencing high levels of coronavirus is that they share employees whether these are direct care employees like nurses who work, you know, in multiple places or whether it is, you know, some kind of specialized cleaning companies that deal with medical facilities and nursing homes, I haven't been able to find out, I haven't seen in any of the articles that I've read, but they think that it might be that, you know, one or more of these employees in these nursing homes are moving from facility to facility and moving the virus with them. And so, you know, the concern with a home healthcare nurse would be if that person becomes infected and carries it to other people and because we don't have the kits available and people are typically asymptomatic for 4 or 5 days but are shedding viruses during that period of time which is why and how this thing is spreading so rapidly it could be problematic Dan. Yeah, um, i mean you know they would have to go in I, I, in I, in you know in full uh, moon suit so that they're not spreading something and they're not getting something
6: Yeah, understood. And I think that's a good argument. I would suggest that the people that are in nursing homes are not necessarily prepared with the right types of equipment to address that issue. That's correct. A public health nurse going from one home to another is going to be more prepared and have the right types of equipment. Right with them with the idea in mind that they're going to be I agree and and these
1: are the kind of conversations that you would think or you would hope that they would be having at the White House right now
6: but instead I would
1: say and go ahead yeah
6: absolutely and that's that's the frustration is when I hear something about a payroll tax suspension that's great and and let's bail out the fracking companies yes it does nothing to address the immediate health issues. Right. And the fracking companies, I mean, wasn't
1: uh, the most amazing line in that entire Washington Post piece was this. Trump and advisors, this is from the Washington Post today, Jeff Stein's article. Trump and advisors have been taking calls since Monday from concerned energy sector allies who have voiced concern and at times exasperation, not only about oil prices, but also privately a warning against the administration supporting any sweeping paid sick leave policy. Don't do anything about the coronavirus except bail out the fracking companies. That's it. I mean, this is insane. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's, netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman.
0: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back
5: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
11: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again.
1: Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Health Justice Now, Single Payer and What Comes Next by Timothy Faust. And this is from the introduction. A secret scream rings through America. It rings down the sterile fluorescent hallways of our hospitals. It rings over our rural towns and our native reservations. It rings through our prisons, the bellies of our great cities. It rings in our farms and our fields, our streets and our sewers, our bodies and our blood. And we are cursed to never hear it clearly until, at last, we realize it has been our own mouth screaming, and we are lost. A child born today inherits, in that secret, a new American squalor, the skeletal remains of the American cities, the bleached bones of the American suburbs. This secret is a birthright of continual exploitation, pumped for labor and drained of cash, and then punished for the resulting suffering punished for being hungry, punished for being sick, punished for being pregnant, punished for being poor, punished for being black or brown, punished for being queer, for being unlucky, for being. At the base of that suffering is lodged a little truth like a knot in the stomach. In America, sickness makes you poor and poorness makes you sick. This is a book about that relationship and why it happens and why it's unnecessary and what we can do to fix it. The cosmic whirling of God's great slot machine has not determined that some people are fated to suffer while others flourish. We have the resources to take care of everyone, and yet we refuse to do so. Your medical debt and medical bills are unnecessary, but we have chosen to make them necessary. These are structural problems with structural causes, and many of them share roots in how we pay for health care. This is a book about health care and health finance. They are different. Healthcare is anything that helps you stay safe and healthy. It's a kind of freedom from and within your own body. Health finance is the method by which we as a country pay for that freedom and by which we decide who gets to have it and who doesn't. Health care is more than what happens to you in the hospital. Healthcare is whether your home makes you sick, or your food makes you sick, or your environment makes you sick, or whether you have enough money to afford the things that keep you healthy. In America, the structure of corporate health care has convinced us that some people deserve health care and some people don't. This is a book about that corporate health finance, about private insurance and private insurers. For half a century, they've convinced us that they're the only things that keep us or could ever keep us from the utter financial ruination of illness. They've sold us different inadequate insurance plans and persuaded us that this is a form of great liberty chipping away at our freedoms for profit and holding our bodies and our children's bodies hostage this is a book about single-payer health care a health finance model in which we pool our abundant collective resources to provide health care to all people it is a common model across the world as we will discuss in this book we have the potential not just to enact a single payer program in America but to build the greatest healthcare program among any so-called developed democracy. Here is my profession of faith. I believe beyond any doubt, the single payer is demonstrably sound and imminently feasible. I believe a properly ambitious and well-structured single payer program will do more than any other American social program of this generation to soothe the burns, to resuscitate the spirit, to nourish the moral will of the American people. I believe it will loosen the loathsome manacles of American health finance, an exploitative institution that profits by plundering from us our own bodily autonomy and that anchors the larger exploitation that holds those whom we love as captive leverage to guarantee our servitude to abusive employers or domestic partners, to those who seek to dominate us, both in the office and in the hospital. I believe this nation owes its people whose labor has created its rich banquet, the safety and agency of health care. I believe this health care is greater in scope than that which happens upon an operating table. I believe that housing, food, income, and more, the components of basic human dignity, are health care. And I believe our work is that of striving toward justice for all people. And I therefore believe, I have to believe, that single-payer health care is our moral imperative. Single payer is our tool, single payer is our weapon, single payer is our first step. But single payer on its own is not the goal. This book is about health justice. Healthcare is personal. So I wanna start this book personally by introducing two friends of mine, Steve Way and Kyle Kolick. They're two guys about my age, I'm 30, who live in North New Jersey. They're sweet, gentle people and probably the most charismatic pair of friends I've met my entire life. They make me laugh until my face hurts, and we like watching pro wrestling together. They're also being utterly broken by our American healthcare system, and it's keeping them from living their lives. Steve has muscular dystrophy. The muscle and tissues that hold his body together are eating themselves. He's doing pretty good, all things considered. He beat his original life expectancy of 18, and now probably has a long life ahead of him. Steve needs a wheelchair to move and a ventilator to help him breathe. The book, Health Justice Now, Timothy Faust. Karen in Tempe, Arizona. Hey, Karen, you're on the air. What's up?
4: I'm concerned about food shortages. What are they going to do? I'm afraid, are we going to get to the point where they're not going to allow people to go to grocery stores? Or are we going to end up having the grocery stores closed? I went to the grocery store yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. And I overheard some employees talking, and the one uh, clerk there was telling a customer that their suppliers are not providing them certain things. And then I was talking to a clerk who was stalking, and she told me, she says, I mean, they were completely out of uh, sanitizers. um, She had one, one mask, which I know the masks don't don't work supposedly but unless you're sick it
1: it prevents you from spreading it to other people but
4: yeah right right and she had one left and i took it and um i got toilet paper Mm-hmm. I know that some places have a run on toilet paper. People are hoarding. I understand yeah. from what she said that Costco was like barren because people had gone in there and hoarded a lot. I, of I've,
1: I've heard reports that some Costco stores are putting limits on how many how many rolls of toilet paper you can buy and stuff like that. Um, the, you know, a, a month ago I was saying on this program that if this is the kind of situation, given the the lousy public health response that we've got nationwide, we are the least prepared developed country in the world because we don't have a national health care system. And then on top of that, we've got Donald Trump in the White House. Two really big problems. And therefore, you may have to weather getting sick at home rather than going to the hospitals, or the hospitals may well be overwhelmed in a month or so. And so, you know, stock up. Have at least two weeks, probably ideally three or four weeks. I'm, I'm, the more I'm learning about this, the more I'm hearing that typically it actually lasts about three weeks. So have a, a few weeks worth of food, you know, just canned goods and rice and stuff that you can eat that will keep and that you would otherwise eat anyway and stock up on toilet paper so you don't have to go out and get that And right. uh, beyond that i you know i don't think that there's you know this is gonna i have a feeling karen this is going to bring us together as americans as much as it's scaring us you know from interacting with other people i think this is right. you know we're all learning the lesson that we're all in this thing together and some of these uh, formerly crazy ideas like, hey, a national health care system are starting to sound pretty good. Karen, I wish you the very best and, and thank you for the call. Lawrence in Seattle, Washington. Hey, Lawrence, thanks for listening to KBCS. What's up? I think I might be calling to ask you to talk the away from the ledge, okay? <laughs> so to speak. Which ledge is okay. that?
5: Uh, the ledge where I begin to think that even though Trump did not planfully do this with forethought and malice, that he might take the opportunity of this virus. I know, I I know what new Rochester is doing. sounds like a good idea. And Italy is doing some good things about restricting and isolating Mm and stuff. But I think that our president might decide to use this
1: as an occasion, which he can use to declare martial law. So, is that crazy? No, it's not crazy, and you're not the first person to suggest it, and f- two uh, two weeks ago I asked Congressman Mark Pocan if the, if that was possible, and he said he would look into it. He would have his staff people look into it. I got an email from him oh, this good. morning uh, that they talked to the Congressional Research Service, and he sent me the actual document. Now, the Congressional Research Service is a an independent agency that only does work for members of Congress. You and I can't ask them for a report and many of their reports you and I can't even see. But a member of Congress can say to the Congressional Research Service, find out about X, and they will find out about it, they'll write an official report, and they will submit it, they will give it to that member of Congress or congressional committee or whatever. And uh, the Congressional Research Service gave Congressman Pocan a report, which they had actually written a couple of years ago, about this very question and apparently right now there is no provision at law or in the constitution that would allow that to happen they did note that congress could pass such a law to allow that to happen but there is no such law right now that would allow the president to declare a state of emergency in a way that would cause him to have the power to for example suspend elections he's already declared a state of emergency on our southern border you know in order to steal money from the military for his wall
3: that, that's what prompted my worry,
1: you know. Yeah. But anyway, thank you. That is somewhat reassuring. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. And uh, Lawrence, thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. Michael in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Michael, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
2: Hi, John. I just heard on the news a little while ago on a major uh, uh, new business channel that the president is meeting with some of his advisors now, and also Bill Cudlow about permanently deleting the payroll tax. This
1: is what they sent the news program. Right, not permanently. Um, they, they want to suspend it for a while. They're talking about for up to a year, or maybe till this fall. Um, Obama did this as part of the stimulus. So he didn't delete the whole thing. He just reduced it by 1, 1.5%, one something like that. What it does is it reduces the flow of cash into Social Security. And when Obama did it, they passed a law allowing him to do it that provided for Social Security to be paid back out of the general fund for any money that they lost so it didn't hurt Social Security. The guess is right now that Trump is not going to ask for that, although in a news conference he was specifically asked that by one of the reporters who said, will you repay Social Security? Because, you know, it's it's about $1.7 trillion a year is how much that tax generates for Social Security. And he said, will you pay that back? And Trump said, oh yeah, of course, we'll pay it back to Social Security. But you know, this is a guy who has told 16,000 lies, so I'm not real confident that's how it's going to play out. We need to keep an eye on it, Michael. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up?
7: Hey, Tom, I wanted to talk about the the numbers are actually more striking than what's being discussed on TV, because they're talking about doubling of infections, you know, every whatever the period Are you talking
1: here in the United States or worldwide, or what?
7: Well, here in the United States. Okay. Okay, so we've discussed that if you have one person, then tomorrow you have two new infections, then the following day you have four new infections. But that doesn't mean four people are infected. Now you have seven people infected Correct. Like put a put a penny on the calendar on March first, put two pennies on March second put four pennies on March third and eight on March fourth sixteen on March fifth you now have thirty one pennies on the calendar right so, so you have more it's not just it's not just the last square that you put it on that's how many it's the sum total of of how many you're, you're absolutely it. right, and
1: that, and that reality is com- almost completely lost in the discussions about exponential growth.
7: Right. You're actually integrating the exponential function. And that, by the way, Tom, if I could just quickly transition to Medicare for all, is we are, they talk about how Bernie's numbers are at $57 trillion. Well I just calculated what our present rate of growth is, so the system that we have now will be at least $75 trillion in the next 10 years, because at at this point, we're 2020, we're spending $4 trillion. It's our health, national health care expense is 19.2% of GDP, and that's about $4 trillion. But it will increase again next year by 10%, because this is, these are Ezekiel Emanuel's numbers. Right. You add 2% of GDP every year. We've been doing this for 50 years. Add 2% of GDP, which is $400 billion, which is now 10% of the $4 trillion. So we're increasing, our health care is increasing at 10% per year. And on year 10 for right now, our expenditure will be $10.3 trillion per year. But you have to add in all the subsequent years before, just like I just right. explained. You have to add $4 trillion this year, $4.4 trillion next year, $4.8 uh, trillion the next year, $5.2 trillion the following year, up for 10 years. And I, got, I came up with $75 trillion at least. If that's the growth stays constant, so that's that's seventeen trillion dollars more than the fifty-seven trillion that they were going. Oh, oh, oh Bernie Sanders, fifty-seven trillion. Where are you going to get that? Well, my question is, where are we going to get this?
1: Right. Well, we're going to get it out of the out of the pockets and out of the hide of of American consumers. I mean, that's the name of the game is is have have the middle class pay for everything and then bankrupt them when they're old. I see these ads on TV for reverse mortgages. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got some equity in your house. <laughs> we can take that. You know, well, you know
7: what. Ezekiel manual says within 20 years, I don't care who you try to stick for the money at this current system, we won't be able to pay for anything except health care, yeah. nothing else.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. And 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 by the way, the uh, I, the other thing that just every time I hear this ad for this, this ad for reverse mortgages, Tom Selleck, I think it is and they're a legitimate thing but he says you can use them to pay for medical expenses and i'm yelling back at the tv going what the hell (laughs) medically we should not have to do that Uh, paul thank you for the call we should not have to wipe out the equity that we've built in our homes throughout our entire lives to pay for damn medical expenses it just shouldn't be in the richest country in the world although we're the we're the richest country in the world because three men own as much wealth as the bottom 50 percent of americans three americans So yeah, we're the richest country in the world, but you know, what does that mean? Anyhow, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport; it needs you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it, and tell your friends where they can find progressive media. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman.
11: For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.